Welcome to a brand new episode of the Jam Pack Report today for February. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Jam Pack Report today for February the 12th of 2020. Of course, my name is Samuel Adams and this is a daily gaming news podcast meant to bring you the hottest news that you need to know from around the industry. Five days a week, Monday through Friday on YouTube and podcast services around the world. So if you enjoy the show, maybe you like me, maybe you like gaming news or potentially all three, then hit that subscribe button on your platform of choice and keep yourself up to date and in the know. But today we have news about about E3 2020, including everybody attending the show as far as companies go, and the fact that Jeff Keighley is not. That's a pretty big deal, especially considering this year is such a pivotal year for the trade show itself. On top of that, we will talk in depth about streaming platforms, specifically Project xCloud, as well as a brand new one from NVIDIA, of course, GeForce Now, that is running into some issues with Activision Blizzard. And of course, we'll talk more about Call of Duty Modern Warfare because this has been a very big leak for number one, or I should say week, but hey, you know, it's been a leaky week. Regardless, let's go ahead and dive into today's top gaming news. First off, Jeff Keighley is skipping E3 2020. Jeff Keighley has announced that he is skipping E3 2020 and will not be producing E3 Coliseum this year. This will be the first time in 25 years that Keighley will not be participating in the famous video game trade show. In a tweet from his personal Twitter account, Keighley announced that he will not be attending this year's Electronic Entertainment Expo. I have made the difficult decision to decline to produce E3 Coliseum. For the first time in 25 years, I will not be participating in E3. It appears the decision was not easy to come for Keighley. I have debated what to say about E3 2020, he said. While I want to support the developers who will showcase their work, I also need to be open and honest with you, the fans, about precisely what to expect from me. I look forward to continuing to support or to supporting the industry in other ways and at other events in the future, he concluded. Keighley answered further questions people posted on Twitter. When asked what elements of the show factored into his decision, he replied a ton of factors, I just don't really feel comfortable participating given what I know about the show as of today. Another user asked if E3 was still viable considering both Keeley and companies such as Sony are distancing themselves from the event. I think E3 needs to become more digital and global. It's a brand that means a lot to people, but it shouldn't just be a show floor, he replied. E3 Coliseum is the official show arranged by the company behind the larger E3 event. Keeley has hosted the show for the last three years. The show, much like IGN's own E3 live streams, involves numerous developer guests being interviewed and streamed online. In the years prior, he has attended and worked at E3 in a variety of different forms. Keeley is not the only E3 stalwart to skip this year's show. Sony has once again decided to not attend E3, which is something we talked about on the show a couple of months back. But many of you are saying, why does it matter if Jeff Keighley is ditching E3? It matters in a big way because as the host and creator of the Game Awards and as a long-standing pillar of the gaming industry when it comes to personalities, Keighley's opinion is largely reflective of the overall health of the show itself. Because if somebody as adamant about gaming news, as somebody that is as adamant about video game culture as Keighley is, uh, if they are failing to see the value in attending E3 2020 or E3 going forward, uh, that is certainly going to be an alarming piece of news for those that are higher ups at the ESA, of course, the parent company behind E3. And I think it really is telling of where the show is right now. Specifically, the most interesting statement from this entire uh, debacle here is the fact that he just doesn't feel comfortable participating given what I know about the show as of today. Mr. Keeley, 
What do you know about the show? Spill the beans. Give me the juice. I need to know what's happening behind the scenes because if Keeley is dipping and he's a man who makes money from the show, who gets paid to put on E3 Coliseum, there is obviously some kind of bigger problem going on behind the scenes. However, we now have a list of the entire exhibitor list that is going to be coming to E3 thanks to an entire leak of the list in whole. How's that enhanced security going for you guys? Uh, now that we are firmly in the second month of E3, or excuse me, I should say 2020, this year's E3 does not seem all that far off. The E3 2020 website is primed to launch tomorrow, but an inquisitive Reset Era member spotted a link that redirects to a site with all of the details, including an FAQ and a list of participating companies. Plenty of publishers have already revealed some of their E3 plans, while others, like Sony and Nintendo, will once again not be in attendance. The E3 list is not complete and will keep being updated, so an omission does not mean it won't show up later. But here are what publishers have confirmed they will be at E3 of 2020. Activision Publishing, Amazon Game Studios, Bandai Namco Entertainment America Incorporated, Bethesda, Capcom, Epic Games, Calypso Media Group, NCSoft, RDS Industries, Sega, Square Enix, Take-Two, Tencent, THQ Nordic, Ubisoft Entertainment, Unnamed VR by Paracosma, Warner Bros. Interactive Entertainment, and Xseed Games. Microsoft is one of the biggest names missing from the list, but Phil Spencer confirmed it would be in attendance back in January, saying that 2020 would be a milestone year for Team Xbox. It will be interesting to see just how it stacks up to last year's E3, which was smaller and more subdued than usual. More developers and publishers have been opting to make their big game announcements directly to fans rather than saving them up for E3 in June, while others now host their own events outside of the show. It's also starting to feel increasingly irrelevant when there is a cavalcade, cavalcade, God, what a word, of game details rushing towards prospective players all the time. Leaks, endless trailers, betas, and early access have all diluted it. Attendees to this year's event might also be a bit concerned with security. In August, it came to light that the ESA, which organizes E3, leaked the personal information of 2,000 industry professionals, which included home phone numbers and addresses. The leak of the official website is not quite at the same level. It's all going to be public information tomorrow, but it also suggests that the ESA still is not very good at keeping details under wraps. To find the link to the WebOps platform that hosts the site, all you need to do is inspect the E3 logo, and you can check back tomorrow to see if more publishers appear on the list but of course, the event itself takes place June 9th through the 11th of 2020 in LA. So, this is an even bigger piece of news uh, than Mr. Keeley not attending because it shows a very parsed down list as compared to years past. Now, as the article does say, this list is probably going to grow in number uh, over the coming months as more and more people do RSVP, uh, but it is very shocking to see just how little the show is becoming and how little the impact of the event itself actually is in today's day and age. And I think this PC Gamer article really does hit the nail on the head and it drives home a point that I've been saying for the past few months. There really isn't a spot for E3 anymore, especially not in the way that it has traditionally been heralded as the go-to location to get news about the gaming industry. Back in the 90s and early 2000s, whenever the internet was still in its infancy in a way and many people weren't paying attention to online forums or online video game news sites, this was the place to look for the next year in gaming. It was almost like looking into a crystal ball and seeing what you would be playing in six months' time, in eight months' 
months time in 12 months time uh, and of course whenever the new consoles are making their giant grand debuts e3 was the place to go for that information for both the person putting out the console as well as the consumer wanting to see what they would be spending their hard-earned money on in a few months and that really isn't necessary anymore Especially considering just how immediate access to a fan base is with Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all these other platforms, you really don't need to have any kind of physical presence at a giant trade show, especially one that charges you a pretty penny to be there. It is much wiser for these creators, for these developers, publishers, whatever they might be, uh, to put on a live stream to create a set in-house that they can use for future content creation. It makes much more sense financially for them, and it makes more sense overall just because not too many people are dedicating themselves to watching E3 or looking forward to E3. More so, they are keeping an eye on their social media feeds, and that's kind of where we sit today. But that is who is coming to E3 2020 so far, and the official website does go live tomorrow on February the 13th. However, moving away from E3 news, there is a lot to break down in terms of Project X Cloud because Samsung and Microsoft are working together on a premium cloud-based game streaming experience that sounds very much so like Project X Cloud is going to be coming to Samsung phones in an official partnership capacity. Samsung announced alongside its new Galaxy S20 and Galaxy Z Flip smartphones it was teaming up with Microsoft on a cloud-based game streaming service. According to The Verge, this will likely involve Microsoft's xCloud appearing on Samsung offerings. Described by Samsung as just the beginning of its gaming partnership with Xbox, the company announced it was working closely with Microsoft to bring a premium cloud-based game streaming experience to Samsung devices. More info will be provided at a later date this year. In a statement to The Verge, Microsoft said this is one step on its journey to deliver high-quality game streaming to players. We have seen positive feedback from Project xCloud preview participants testing a range of Galaxy devices, and it will only get better as we continue to work closely with Samsung on refining the experience, said Microsoft. It is an exciting time to be working on Project xCloud, and we cannot wait to share more info about our work with Samsung later this year. During the phone reveal, it was also announced that Forza Street was coming to Android and will be first made available on Samsung's Galaxy Store, according to Neo Wim. Microsoft outlined its cloud gaming plans at E3 2019 when it revealed Project xCloud, which features the ability for users to stream games from their Xbox One console to Android, and this tech is expected to work with the Xbox Series X as well. The feature went into preview on Android back in October, and 50 new titles were added to the library back in November. In January, D2 of course being Destiny 2, Halo Master Chief Collection, and Civilization 6, among others, were added to preview. And on top of that, we'll talk more about this tidbit about iOS today, but this is interesting because I'm not sure what the approach is going to be. Because if the app is already running on iOS and it just entered preview as of today, then why on earth would they partner with Samsung unless this is going to be something that is natively baked in to the, of course, launcher uh, for Samsung phones, if it is natively baked into the hardware out of the box? That's something that I think could be a big possibility. In the same way that you open up any kind of new iPhone and you see the Photos app, the Stocks app, Safari, whatever it might be, you have these apps that are automatically preloaded onto the phone. Xbox, game, whatever they want to call it on Samsung could be loaded directly onto the phone itself, even if they did want to call it Project xCloud or Game Preview or whatever it might be. And so that could be a pretty interesting approach, but my question is, uh, how deep is the partnership going to go? Is it going to limit other 
types of devices such as iOS uh, or is it going to be something that just adds a bit more value or perhaps is just baked into the software itself again that's just my question that stands uh, but to see this technology being adopted on a wider scale to see big companies like Samsung getting in on what Microsoft is bringing to the table uh, certainly makes me excited because I am somebody who would use this technology. I would love to see uh, the ability to play really high quality games on the go because so much of my workday is spent on the go. During lunch, I would love to dive into the Master Chief Collection or basically any other game on the Xbox and get a couple of games in maybe just a 45 minute session of devil may cry 5 whatever it might be to be able to play on the go certainly would enhance my life in a big way and thankfully i will get the chance to try because xbox's cloud streaming beta is finally added to ios devices and registration has started now Microsoft has been doing a bang-up job with Project X Cloud, its foray into cloud-powered game streaming. In fact, it is not an unpopular opinion that Xbox is doing better than Google Stadia, and Project X Cloud is still in beta and free. Microsoft wants to position itself as a powerhouse in leveraging its Azure cloud technology for game streaming, and these first steps indicate that's a very realistic outcome. However, the beta has been restricted to mobile devices thus far and Android devices at that. That changes today. Microsoft has just opened up registration for iOS devices to join the Project xCloud beta, and of course, the registration link is available in the Destructoid article down below. The iOS rollout is starting extremely slow, though, mostly because of restrictions with Apple's test flight preview program. Only 10,000 people will be invited to the preview, and those people will probably be cycled in and out throughout the beta. Also, the only game, I said that very strangely, did I not? Also, I should say, only one game will be included, Halo the Master Chief Collection, due to an App Store policy. Here is what's needed for the Project xCloud beta on iOS. A Microsoft account associated with an Xbox gamer tag, an iPhone or iPad running iOS 13 or higher, and Bluetooth 4.0 or higher, a Bluetooth-enabled Xbox One wireless controller, access to Wi-Fi or mobile data that supports 10 megabits per second down bandwidth. If you meet the criteria and want in, take a shot at registering. Android undoubtedly has a better ride now, with well over 50 free games for beta participants to play. But Project xCloud on iOS will get there one day, one step at a time. And thankfully, I've been able to actually get into this iOS beta. I signed up as soon as I saw the news drop and now I have access to Halo the Master Chief Collection on my iPhone 11. So guess what I'm going to be doing during lunch tomorrow? Uh, but no, seriously, if you buy a phone clip on Amazon, which generally run around $5, you can have uh, something that competes directly with Google Stadia. And keep in mind, Google Stadia, a product that is fully launched and out in the wild, it still isn't available on iOS. Microsoft literally got there faster than Google. I cannot believe that I'm saying those words, uh, but I'm excited to see how well things run. I have not had a chance to give it a shot, but I will be sure to let you guys know as soon as I dive in and get a couple of rounds in on the Master Chief Collection. Who knows? I might start a work playthrough of the uh, Halo series. That would be pretty fun, would it not? But speaking of game streaming, Activision Blizzard has removed games from GeForce Now. NVIDIA's GeForce Now streaming service exited beta last week with hundreds of games, but users will still find some of the titles they may have been playing have suddenly been removed. Activision Blizzard abruptly removed all of its games, like Overwatch and World of Warcraft, from the service yesterday with no real explanation. The news comes from an NVIDIA representative in GeForce Now's official forum. The rep said, 
and wrote, Per their request, please be advised, Activision Blizzard games will be removed from the service. While unfortunate, we hope to work together with Activision Blizzard to re-enable these games and more in the future. In the same post, NVIDIA says that over 1,500 games are being onboarded and will be added to the service in the future. If you purchase the Activision Blizzard games, you can still play them, just not through GeForce Now. This shift away from GeForce Now comes on the heels of Activision Blizzard inking a deal with Google to exclusively stream esports matches for Overwatch League and Call of Duty League. And of course, they have reached out to Activision Blizzard for a statement on GeForce Now. I'm not sure Andrew Rayner, a game informer, understands why would you mention Google and YouTube? You're not even backlinking into the site. You're, you're just putting in an irrelevant fact. Um, that one threw me off. This is a complicated issue because Activision Blizzard is generally very tight with where they want their games to be available at. They have a lot of deals uh, made with a lot of different platforms that make exclusivity kind of a big thing for them. Now, off the top of my head, I don't know of any restrictions that would keep their games from being played unless they are working on inking a deal with another platform or alternatively uh, have their own platform coming with that kind of functionality in mind, which I don't think would be a wise move, especially considering how well GeForce Now seems to be doing in the public eye. However, hopefully this will be remedied, but uh, GeForce Now is certainly a force to be reckoned with, with a ton of games coming to the service, and on top of that, uh, as I said, a pretty good positive first impression run uh, from the general gaming community. So that's exciting to see, but if you do want to dive in and give it a shot, this is a bit different from something on the Xbox platform Project xCloud or on Google Stadia, because essentially this is streaming games uh, that you buy on whatever platform you might play them on. It can be on Battle.net, it can be on Steam, it can be on the Epic Game Store, it can be on Origin. It doesn't matter, it's just streaming the games to you. So that's neat. It isn't tied down to a specific launcher. Uh, but excited to see where streaming goes in the future, whether it be on a Samsung phone in general, on Project xCloud, or on a different service entirely. Very excited about the future of mobile gaming, thanks to the cloud up above. You know, 10 years ago, I'd be like, thanks to Thanks to the cloud, like I'm worshiping some kind of entity. Uh, Call of Duty developer apologizes for Modern Warfare's massive patches. Thank God, because it was just absolutely abysmal. Call of Duty Modern Warfare's title updates are getting a little out of hand. The last one clocked in at between 51 gigs on PS4 and 68 on PC and Xbox One. That may not be larger than the game itself, 130 gigs. But with a 53 gigabyte update two weeks ago, followed by an even larger one now, plenty of players are grumbling as to why these patches have to be so freaking large, even if this one is kicking off the game's season two of content. Yesterday, Infinity War production developer Paul Hale apologized in a multi-part Twitter explanation for the size of the update. He said the maintenance on this one supply, what? He said the maintenance this one supplies, there we go, should keep the game's overall disk footprint down. We are also taking this opportunity to set up the data for better overall management to try and keep future updates from being this large, even during a season rollout, Hale said. I am very conscious of the overall size of Modern Warfare, and we are doing what we can to minimize this for everyone, he added. That was still cold comfort to Call of Duty fans with less than state-of-the-art connections, bandwidth cap concerns, or console hard drives with room enough for plenty of full-size titles, but not enough for this kind of patch. Someone posted this screenshot from an unnamed university's IT department, which attributed a multi-campus network slowdown to the Call of Duty update. It shot at the top of the Modern Warfare subreddit. 
The February 11th full patch notes list updates the playlist to new weapons, plus a new operator, along with a raft of rebalances, adjustments, and other fixes. And of course, Ghost was seen in Season 2's in-game cinematic. There are rumors of a new Battle Royale mode that we're talking about, of course, on yesterday's show, but plenty of new content is coming to Modern Warfare, and I think a good bit is baked into this giant patch, specifically, I would say, the Battle Royale mode itself, if I did have to guess. So... This is essentially preparing for the future. They're trying to cut back on the size of these giant patches, which is something that really does need to happen. As I said yesterday, I have a one terabyte PlayStation 4 Pro and a one terabyte Xbox One X. I shouldn't have to worry about the fact that these patches are so huge that it's taking up a tenth of my terabyte hard drive minimally. Actually, now with the base game and tons of patches, probably close to about a fifth of it. That's ridiculous. Uh, but regardless, I'm still going to download them because, man, this game is getting to be a very, very enticing option whenever I get home from work. It's just taking up my time. I have so many other things to play. I've started playing Control. I've started playing Dead Cells. Somehow get sucked back into Modern Warfare. Uh, but regardless... I'm hoping that they do cut back on the size of these patches in the future. And on top of that, uh, for the sake of this university IT man, please, by all means, stop making these patches so large. Uh, but will these continue to be this big into the future as even higher resolutions, higher quality textures, and in general, more content become the norm? Probably. So we might as well figure out a solution now. However, speaking of Modern Warfare, of course, yesterday we talked about the Battle Royale mode. It has since been somewhat revealed slash leaked that the official title of it is Warzone, and now we know what the menu itself looks like. A user on Reddit has shared the Call of Duty Modern Warfare game glitched for them after leaving a lobby and took them into the Warzone lobby, which is the rumored Battle Royale mode for Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Here is the main image, which has all of the options locked during a training mode. And of course, as you can see, that's pretty much what the menu looks like, but there are options for weapons, operators, and barracks inside of the Warzone menu per the above image. Another image shows that Warzone will have drop kits that players can edit before the matches start, which are essentially your custom classes. With Season 2's update in Modern Warfare, Infinity Ward added a classified mode to Modern Warfare's main menu, alongside an in-game cinematic for Season 2 that teases the overview for Battle Royale. Late last night, a user on Reddit shared the image of key art on Call of Duty Warzone, which has been copyrighted by Activision across social media. So that's pretty much all but confirmed to be the name of the game itself, or at least the game mode. Uh, now, this all makes sense because drop kits obviously different from create a class because you probably aren't going to be able to drop in with a fully decked out kit. You are going to have to go around and find weapons, find drops, etc. So a drop kit could be a custom knife, a custom skin, uh, maybe some kind of perk if you will. Depends on how they decide to go about the, of course, Battle Royale mode. But I would go ahead and expect uh, some kind of definitive news to come by the end of the week because this is leakier uh, than a boat that's hit the side of an iceberg. Did I just make a Titanic joke? I very well could have. Uh, regardless, it's very cool to see that this is finally getting uh, added to the game. I'm still excited for a Battle Royale mode, and on top of that, I just don't know why they haven't come out and said something definitive about when to expect it, because we pretty much know all but the launch date itself. I mean, I'm surprised somebody hasn't gotten into a game by now. Honestly. But that rounds out today's episode of the Jam Pack Report. If you enjoyed this one, be sure to drop me a like down below if you are watching on YouTube or if you are on podcast services, be sure to subscribe to the show and leave a review on your platform of choice. But until tomorrow, you guys have a good one. I'll talk to you soon and peace.